Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. (laughs) And I'm talking this way because tonight we are going to be talking about some spooky movies. Well, spooky is debatable on these movies, but... It's, It's October, so... Yes. So last year we did like a whole like horror movie series of and we don't know if we're going to do that this time, but we're going to get it. Give us our give us ourselves a chance. Give it a start by talking about um, later in the episode. I'm going to be talking about Donnie Darko, which is spooky only because his name is Darko. It's I don't spooky know. for a lot of reasons. We'll get there. But Nancy's going to get us started off to talk about probably the movie that I would say in the 90s really kind of revamped the horror genre in the mainstream. Because horror movies have always been made, but mainstream horror movies, this one really kind of kicked it off. She's going to get us started talking about Scream. Yeah. Yeah, so, like Matt said, the horror movie genre had been a bit of a lull for a while. Uh, I, the, I, I think real, like, serious horror movie fans might disagree with that, but I think it got more mainstream again with this movie. Well, I mean, all, all of the franchises were definitely... Had really petered had be- out. Had better days, you know, like the they Friday, had peaked. the Friday the Thirteenth movies. You know, it was in its like sixth or seventh movie by that time. There had already been like five, five or six Nightmare on Elm Streets. I think um, at this point they had ended Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I don't know how many Halloweens there were at this point, but really, I mean, it, it was pretty stale. And Wes Craven decided, you know, we're gonna revamp it all and make a movie that's super campy and very, you know, refers to itself and understands that it's kind of, you know, it's got a, well, but also it's just really taking a microscope on like the horror movie genre in general, because it refers to horror movies through the whole thing. I mean, the whole, the whole premise of this movie came out in 96 is that it starts with, um, little Drew Barrymore at her house and she gets a weird phone call, super spooky voice, and he, like, wants to quiz her about horror movies, and she's like, ooh, I like scary movies. But then it becomes, like, a living nightmare. And Do you like scary movies? And listeners, as you all know, this is, like, a spoiler-filled podcast, so we're just going to be spoiling these movies from the very beginning. Do just- you like spoiled movies? <laughs> <laughs> This movie did something really dramatic, really early, kind of similar to Vertigo, not Vertigo, excuse me, similar to Psycho, but even earlier by killing off what you think was going to be like its main lead actress, Drew Barrymore, in the first 20 minutes. Do you like killing Drew Barrymore? <laughs> well, she's super important because she's actually in both of these movies, <laughs> which I didn't even realize until watching today. Like, oh yeah, duh. No wonder we're pairing these together because she's in both of them. Do you like good pairs <laughs> okay, of Matt. movies? <laughs> Matt took some silly pills tonight. <laughs> um, 
but do you like silly never mind (laughs) um but yeah i mean this movie it's 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 hard to take seriously. You don't really take it seriously. Um, okay, I, I, I would, I would. Here's, here, here, here's okay, what I would yeah. say. If you grew up watching all the movies it mentions mm-hmm. or homages, you kind of see it as like an almost a nostalgia movie because yeah. of that. But if you did not grow up watching those movies or you had never really seen them and you were like a new horror movie fan, like new to horror movies with the exception of the fact that it kind of spoils those movies, it definitely has some, you know, startling things about it. Oh yeah. But, but it, I think to me it it plays more of like a murder mystery than like a slasher horror movie. Yeah. I, I, I agree mostly. I mean, but it but it is de- it definitely leans heavy on like the suspense of a slasher movie and and of course you know once you've seen it you know what you know who the killer killers are mm-hmm. so I mean I think um, initially trying to figure out how could this ghost face actually succeed in killing all these people because it seems like he's in two places at once well (laughs) this movie you know was a little different in the sense that it wasn't just one murderer I mean it was Skeet Ulrich doing his best Johnny Depp impersonation and the the hard to watch drives me absolutely insane Matt Lillard as you know, who's who apparently succumbed to peer pressure is what he tells Sydney. He's like, Oh, I did it because of peer pressure. Like, that's why he decided to follow along and also be a ghost face. Um, but so Nev Campbell plays Sydney, she ends up being the main actress in the movie since Drew Barrymore is killed early on, and her mother had been murdered a year before. She's you know, still spooked by it, of course. And, yeah, it's kind of just follows her getting stalked as soon as Drew Barrymore has been killed. And, you know, the Fonz is in it. Henry Winkler is in it as a principal. And um, there's a lot of like cameo kind of things that happen in this movie that are that are fun that I really like. But I'll let you continue talking about the story. Okay. And then um, so Jamie Kennedy is in it and he's actually really fun. He's probably one of the the better parts of the movie for me. And then maybe one of my favorite parts for him is, especially now that I've seen Halloween, when they've had, when they're having the party towards the end of the movie and he's watching Halloween and he keeps saying, Jamie, look behind you, Jamie, Jamie, look behind you. And I'm like, yeah, duh, Jamie Kennedy, look behind you. What's right. happening right behind you? Cause he's talking to Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie's fun. I mean, you know, Courtney Cox and David Arquette have fun roles in it. You know, she plays a intrepid journalist who is kind of working at like a news magazine almost and uh, is very into like salacious stuff and apparently really made the death of Sydney's mom. She's kind of a tabloid journalist. Yeah, she, she, I mean, Sydney gives her, you know, punches her in the face early in the movie, and that's all, that's kind of fun to watch. Um, And then, of course, David Arquette is just this goofy, goofy 
sheriff. I mean, his name is Dewey. What more do you need to know? Um, this I think this is when David Arquette and Courtney Cox met and got together. Is Probably. My guess. But I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's it's a fun, easy watch. I mean, I'm not gonna have nightmares about it or anything. It's not scary in the way that Donnie Darko was scary to me a long time ago. Um, but yeah, Skeet Rich and Matthew Lillard, I mean, you know, they're this pair of crazy, psychotic teenage killers and it's, you know, I mean, oh. there's a part where Jamie Kennedy even goes through and, you know, tells the rules of what The happens. rules of horror movies? Yeah, and that, you know, that was pretty fun. Number one, do not have sex because then you're guaranteed to die. Um, and the virgin always lives. That's one of the rules. Uh, number two is something like, um, no, well, like no drugs, yeah, no, no yeah, yeah. And then number three is never say I'll be right back. Yeah. And that's in the trailer. So, yeah. 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 Um, I have some things to say about this movie. Yeah, I mean, again, again now it's that not I, like... And I've got a microphone in my face, so I can say them now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, finish. I was just going to say, you know, for people who are huge horror movie fans, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, I can see this movie being really fun, because it's almost like, it's almost like a mixtape of other horror movies that they that you would watch together, you know, and like a little compilation, and seeing other teams... You know, it's almost like a movie watching other teenagers watch a horror movie kind of, you know, more or less. And and again, like this came out before all of the like Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity and Saw movies came out. So it yeah. kind of fit this perfect little mid 90s niche before things got wanted to be too realistic and too scary and kind of like more ghost centric. Well, that, well, I think I think that that's that's kind of what I mean, though, where like it really kind of revamped the mainstream yeah. of horror movies, because, you know, this movie came out and then um, I know what you did last summer mm-hmm. and then then sequels to this movie. And then you really started seeing then like Final Destination yeah, and Final you started Destiny. seeing you started seeing a lot more mainstream horror movies until you got to like the the like Eli Roth and you know kind of torture porn and and you know Rob Zombie started making horror movies yeah. and all of this kind of started coming out and it really continued into the mainstream for a while but I think this is the movie that really kind of yeah got that jump started because they saw ticket sales from this movie I mean it had it had stars in it which before when you had horror movies and they started, you got stars before they were stars. Mm-hmm. But Nev Campbell, I think, was already on Party of Five. Yep. Courtney Cox was on Friends. Yep. David Arquette had been in some things already. So you already had known actors playing roles in a horror movie, which gave it more of a mainstream jumpstart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. and, and, like you, and like we all know, I mean, when movies were still being released in theaters... Almost every single week, there's a new horror movie being released. I mean, it is a genre that has just kind of taken over, you know, theater theater releases. I mean, and, and it's all so year many, round. Yeah, there are so it's many all year horror round movies now. that come out every single year and have been for, you know, 25 years now. So, yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to say is 
this movie for me has a couple so has like high marks as far as the characters and some very low marks as okay. far as the characters. Um, my favorite scene in the whole movie is that opening with yeah. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Everything from the that entire opening sequence up until you see her hanging from the tree yep. is my favorite part of this whole movie. Agreed. Um, I love Drew Barrymore in this. Um, Henry Winkler as the principal. I totally forgotten he was the principal, mm-hmm. and I saw him. I was like, this is so good. And then they do things in this movie to kind of hint, you know, who the killer might be. So they have, like, this real kind of, like, small segment with him where he's where he's... Um, got like this really sharp pair of scissors and he's cutting up the, the, the ghost mask in the principal's office because some guys got the same costume where we're, we're yeah. teasing Sydney yeah. and everything like that. And and just that whole scene is good. Um, I don't mind Nev Campbell in this movie. Yeah. I haven't really followed her as an actor. I didn't watch Party of Five or seen Wild Things or anything like that. But she's not too bad. But first, 100% agree... Matthew Lillard, I mean, he took his hacker's personality, which we have talked about, and just kind of put it into this. Oh, yeah, he was in that. I still think that the only two good things that I've really liked him in is the voice of Shaggy in animated Scooby-Doo television and and movies. And he's in Twin Peaks The Return. And he's actually, Mm. I liked him in that because he's not that same character. Oh, and you know what I also like him in? I like him, um, I think he's good in that show, Good Girls. He plays the husband in that. Oh. He plays okay. Christina I think I, Hendricks' I think husband I've seen in that. one episode of that, and I liked it. I just haven't gotten back to it. He doesn't have... And he's an asshole in that, right? Or but he, he has gotten rid of his whole kind of, like, goofy, drunk surfer yeah. way of speaking. And so I... I <laughs> goofy, so I have drunk surfer, surfer way of speaking. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I I will give him credit for kind of, you know, changing as an actor to where I like him now. So yeah. I, dis, I diss his old stuff, but this I don't mind. Yeah. But man, David Arquette and Courtney Cox just drive me so flipping crazy in this movie. Like, like when he gets stabbed, I'm like, please die. And then we know he comes back because yeah. he's in the sequels. And the same thing with Courtney Cox. I'm like, man, I really wish she would have like died hitting that tree, but no. And it's just, and it's not them personally. Nothing. I don't have anything against them personally in life, but their characters just drive me fucking crazy. And even though Courtney Cox was right, everything was staged when her mom was killed and everything like that. It's just this whole tabloid journalist kind of character is just so overdone. And it just, I couldn't stand it. And then she went on to make a television show later where she was a tabloid journalist (laughs) Um, for FX. It was uh, called the dirt. Dirt, I think think, dirt. Yeah. So, I mean, they just drove me crazy, but yeah, my favorite part of this movie is that opening sequence and my favorite character in this movie is probably Drew Barrymore because Same. of her she plays that very well. I do want to note though that probably the scariest thing to maybe come out of this is the fact that we've all you and I pay attention to what's going on in the news and there's a character um in this named Tatum played by Rose McGowan who is great in this movie and I really and I love Rose McGowan. But I realized when the credits ended that this was produced by Harvey Weinstein. I saw the same thing. And I, I was like, oh, oh, thing. 
behind the scenes, there's a real life horror story going on. No, I and, thought the exact same thing. And I was like, oh, man. And uh, I wonder if this is what she auditioned for where she was assaulted. I'm, you know what? The fact that she has to have her name associated with anything produced by them, with everything yeah. that had gone on, you know, I feel bad for her. But I thought about that when, when this was over, and I was like, oh, man. Uh, I appreciate that you say that you liked her performance in this, because I actually paused the movie a couple times, and I even said, I don't think that people in this movie are deliberately acting bad. I think the script is, you know, like there's just goofy things for them to do. But she in particular got on my nerves. Oh, really? A little bit. And, and I don't know if it was more just because, you know, she was irritated at her brother. There were just things about it. And, you know, I don't. And maybe it was because she was paired with Matthew Lillard. Like, oh, it's yeah. because she was his girlfriend. And I don't know. I don't but know. I thought she was a good friend. Like, she was a good friend. Except she got Sydney. home so late and Sydney <laughs> got that phone call. Yeah. I don't know. Well, no, she was, I mean, again, after everything with Drew Barrymore happens, and Drew Barrymore is so amazing, there's almost this kind of like, it all goes downhill from there. You know, I mean, it's... Well, I've never, I've, I'm going to be honest, I've never been a huge fan of this movie. Not that I, like, hate it, but it's not one where I'm just like, oh, yay, scream. And and I think it's it, it's for many reasons, but, like, the main reason is because of the hype of it. Like, yeah. I was so over the hype of this movie when it came out, seeing, like, people dressed as, like, the ghost face for yeah. Halloween and all this kind of stuff. Like, I was just not feeling it. But I do applaud this movie in for one thing, and it's that ending where they're at Stu's house and they're all watching Halloween. And I'm like... Oh, good. They have good taste. They're watching my favorite Halloween movie. (laughs) This isn't a movie I've seen that many times. I think I saw it around when it came out, probably sometime in like the early 2000s and then tonight. So it's not like it's a movie I've had in a lot of rotation. I thought it would be interesting to talk about it because it is such an important horror movie genre film. You know, I mean, and like we said, you know, in terms of what it meant to reviving the genre in the 90s and kind of keeping it going all this time. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean it it definitely I mean it makes a lot of sense why a lot of the scary movie spoofs mm-hmm. kind of I mean I think at least one or two of them have a lot of scream references, right? I think that's pretty much what a lot of those are mo- made those are based on yeah. the scream movies. Yeah. But I mean, didn't they they've made what five screen movies? Yeah, five or four six or five. And I think there's another one coming out. Like four I think, or five of them. I don't know. But I, I do mean, I do like at the very beginning. I have seen I think I have seen the first three. I don't think I ever saw the fourth one. I don't know if I've seen uh, any since the first one. I maybe I saw the second one. I don't remember. Um I do I must have seen the second one because I remember Lee Shriver having a bigger part than he does in this. He, like, literally shows up for a second, like, walking into a building, and I think I remember he's got a bigger role in the other movies. But, yeah, I mean, again, I thought it would be important to talk about just because, you know, we did, you know, we have done the horror movie attempt before, and actually, thinking back on the movies we talked about last year, I don't think any of them came out after the 80s. I think all the movies we discussed were in the 70s and 80s. So, it's like... You know, different decade to kind of dive into. I, I I like that, you know, they like they have the homage by showing 
by sh- showing Halloween at mm-hmm. Stu's par- at Stu's house, and then they talk a lot about Jamie Lee Curtis, which I think is great. Yeah, I love how they have the homage to Nightmare on Elm Street by having the janitor in the high school wearing the sweater and the hat, <laughs> <laughs> which was good. And then uh, really subtle. One of the reporters that goes to the high school is played by Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So, so you know. That's wild. They definitely know. They definitely knew, like, when they were making this movie that they were trying to reference the past. Yeah. And really kind of open the door to, like, a new generation to start watching the, those movies. And and then with all the movies they talk about, you know, you know, spoiler alert, they they spoil Friday the 13th by, you know, oh, yeah. saying who the killer is and stuff like that, you know. But that kind of makes, again, they knew what they, they... They did not make this movie thinking they were making something completely new. They knew that they were kind of goofing on some of the old ones and homaging and everything like that, so... The fun thing I read was that the sign-up rate for caller ID, like, Trump quadrupled or something after this movie came out. Oh, wow. Because people, well, you know, want to know who's calling. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's another thing. Like, like, we've talked about how movies can be dated. Yeah. Like... This movie, it would be hard to do this movie now with cell phones. And why would you have a cellular phone? That's so weird. Why would you have a cellular? And then when when Courtney Cox runs out to the news van, hand me the cellular. And it's like the brick, like the the old brick, like cell phone and everything. And and yeah. I mean, and, and, and it had. It has like those, like you know how the guys talk. Jamie Kennedy's character is talking about the rules and like all the different rules. Yeah. I mean, this has all of those yeah. broken rules. I mean, and and um, you know the obvious things like why didn't anyone see Rose McGowan hanging from the from the garage door exactly. for so long? Thank and, you. I mean, and, and, and the garage door was open is a freaking detective de- deputy right? whatever and he doesn't happen to like case the whole house and notice his sister is hanging from the oh my god or um like when Courtney Cox runs out to the news van at the end she doesn't see like all the blood as yeah. she's running to I mean it's just yeah you know Pe- people's observation skills apparently are very um hindered <laughs> when they're under this kind of stress but yeah but i mean i've heard like when you have stress and you're dealing with something like that you can have like tunnel vision where yeah. you're like just yeah. so focused on yeah. doing it but i mean your tunnel vision can't be so small that as you're running to the van you don't see the giant pool of blood in front of it yeah so and again i do want to give the movie credit for having the two kill the two of them working together as killers because i don't think they ever really did that in a movie before this or they certainly never explained it that there would be two people responsible for the murders well i'm i'm going to go as far as to say is no horror movie up to when i saw this had done that that i had known of yeah, it's very possible that because, I mean, that's the thing about the horror movie genre, is it is like gigantic, <laughs> yeah. you know. So many movies, you know, made 
since they started making movies to now so many movies, so many low budget movies that have cult following and all this kind of stuff. And, um, who knows where the writers were getting their inspiration from that wasn't a mainstream movie. There's yeah. probably tons of other movies that they could have stolen. I mean, every character in this movie could have been stolen from another movie. Yeah. So the, the other thing I want to point out about the actors in this movie, um, I don't think it's a show either of us watch anymore, but there's a show that came out, started, I think four years ago called Riverdale. And yeah, they're, you know, Skeet Ulrich plays Jughead's dad. You know, Luke Perry, rest in peace. He was in the show. Molly Ringwald was on the show. You know, there there were certain key actors that kind of came up as teenagers that are now playing parents in Riverdale. And I feel like so much of that show also has this kind of, you know, nod homage, to the homage, nod to nod it, to yeah. the past kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, I'll tell you though, Skeet Ulrich bugged the shit out of me too in this movie. I mean, especially the first he, time I saw it, he just. I, I think. But I appreciate like, him a little more now, I think, than I did back then. His character, the way it's acted, almost seems intentionally like overdone, where as opposed to Matthew Lillard's character is always overdone. <laughs> Everything he does was overdone in this in the nineties, so. Um, but he he didn't really bother me, and 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 like I said, it's mainly Courtney Cox and David Arquette. That's funny that they they bug, they got in your nerves so much. Well, it just yeah, I just ugh, <laughs> blah, blah. we we do want to point out that this movie was filmed in Northern California, probably about hour and a half, two hours away from where we live, and an area that's probably caught on fire now so i hope everybody who watches this movie enjoys all the beautiful green and trees yeah and man stuff. what if you what if you can't like go and see the house anymore because it burned down that probably would suck. not but uh, well yeah but. scream eh. Eh. i mean it's not a movie i'd put in a in a, in a high road movie I put in high rotation, but it was fun to rewatch. I mean, it is October. In fact, today officially is October 10th, which is World Mental Health Day, which is very interesting for the next movie we're going to talk about. Do you like talking about other movies? Because <laughs> I'd like to. <laughs> Dude. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start this, and this is probably gonna gonna skew your your thoughts on this um, movie real fast, because I'm sure you've got like a a whole train of thought you want to go with this movie because this movie has a lot of like very kind of interesting kinds of um, philosophical and metaphysical concepts going through it, but. This was a movie that when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that was a really kind of cool, interesting movie. And then it got so popular and so much hype and such a cult following that I got turned off by this movie. And I was like, that's fair. I don't want to watch this movie anymore. I was like, have you seen Don? Yes, I've seen it. Well, how many (laughs) times have you watched it? I've probably watched it like five times at least. And because when it first came out, I remember like 
we watched it, and then I, I remember telling Dad to watch yeah. it, and Dad then it Dad loved this movie, yeah. he, and he just really liked it. And there's a lot of stuff in it, even though it seems like a very kind of like quiet, simple movie, but it's not. It's not it's quiet not. and simple, <laughs> not at all. It's not. It's it's basically um, Donnie Darko, which already has a interesting character name. He's a superhero, right? Well, someone says, <laughs> you know, his girlfriend says it sounds like a su- superhero, and they did that intentionally, I guess, in a lot for with a lot of the characters. He's played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and this is pretty much our introduction to Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. Unless you're huge fans of the Bubble Boy movie, which I am not. Sorry. He has some um, problems, some some health, some mental health problems, and he t- he sees a psychiatrist, and he is on medication, and. He has problems with sleepwalking and having um, delusions. And um, he is visited one evening in one, during one of his delusions by a guy named Frank in a bunny costume. But it's not like a normal bunny costume. It's like if... The body of the bunny was all normal, but it was like a big decayed skull, like a rabbit skull that was decayed, you know? So it's kind of, it's, it's got a creepy look to it. Wasn't it like painted I, silver? It was painted silver. And like, you find out at the end of the movie, it does like a, well, yeah. there's, there's, it's not a flashback per se. But anyway, you see him like draw like sketches he had done of the mask and he made it himself. Mm-hmm. So he had this concept of this demented rabbit kind of Halloween mask. So anyway, Donnie sees him in these visions and he tells him that the world is going to end in I will not be able to do it exactly 28 days, 6 hours, 14 minutes and yeah. 22 seconds or something like that. People have like tattoos of that. They're so obsessed with this movie. Basically um, like on, is it Halloween or October 30th? It's on October 30th yeah. is when it's supposed to end. So he has this vision. He's told the world's going to end. And then between from the time he has that vision until when the world's going to end is when pretty much this movie kind of takes place. But while he is sleepwalking and having this conversation in the middle of a golf course with Frank, an accident happens. And what happens is a jet engine from a commercial plane lands on his house right where his bed would be. So if he did not get up and have this sleepwalking experience, he'd be dead. And this kind of is pretty much happens, I think, within like the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And then everything else from that point on is kind of what is going to happen between then and the end of the world. You know, what what Frank has told him. And he gets visited by Frank a couple times. He meets a girl and gets a girlfriend and... 
they, he has she he asks her will you go with me will you go with me <laughs> that's what we call it around here going together oh man if that didn't take you back to sixth seventh grade i don't know what could i i guess it's a bay area thing that movie that takes must be place a bay- in virginia it, but it takes place in virginia though so going together i guess that's an 80s thing then because yeah. the movie takes place in 1988 oh yeah the first spoken words in the movie are dad i'm voting for dukakis I'm voting for Dukakis. I was like, whoa. Honestly, Matt, when I rewatched this, I didn't even remember that it was a period piece. Oh, really? Yeah, it didn't. No, I remember. I'd forgotten that it was was set in 88. Yeah. But anyways. It's set in 88. So, but so while this is all happening, Donnie starts, like, he's having these visions with uh, Frank, who's telling him to do things like flood the school, um burn down someone's house you know all these things and you're kind of getting a glimpse into the life of everyone of some people at his school but um he starts really getting interested in time travel and physics which ultimately leads to the ending of the movie where Something happens that he wants to prevent. I'll just leave it at that so we can continue the discussion. I just, I remember watching this movie and like being like, wow, I was just like so like inspired and like, like it was, I I was intrigued by it, but I was never really scared. Like it never Mm. scared me. This movie (laughs) never scared me. I was just like, and then maybe also that's just me because like, I'm just like, wow, I love weird fucked up shit. And this movie is kind of weird and fucked up in some in some parts. So it didn't really scare me at all. I mean, probably the would you say the scariest thing about this movie is Frank the the rabbit? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain. It. Yeah, go ahead. OK, but anyway, and, you know, and it, and it brings up a couple some issues like they go. I can't tell if they go to an actual private school. Or if it's just a school that's very strict, like a like a like a boarding school. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like the school has any religion around it, with the exception of this one parent teacher who is obsessed with this like cult guy. <laughs> I, I'm going to argue that they all go to a private school. A lot of a lot of my arguments based on the fact that. Um, her dad was so against her voting for Dukakis because don't you know how much they're going to tax all your money? And that always comes from people who have a lot of money are afraid of being ultra taxed. So I'm going to say that they go to a private, that all three kids are in a private school and a lot of it, and their parents can afford to send all of them to this private school. And I'm going to just assume a lot of the people in that neighborhood all kind of go there too. So it could just be, that's the way it is there. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. And and I think his sister was a senior or had just graduated. She was, no, she was going to graduate. She was still went there. Okay. Because so she, she was she just was, getting into college and it's October. Yeah. She's finding out she's going into, what college she's going to yeah. and it's October. Yeah. So. Um, before we go too much further, let me just say, this is the third time I've seen it. I've, I enjoyed it the most now. This was my favorite viewing of this movie. 
I think the other couple times I've watched it, I've probably watched it at night, and Frank has scared me a lot, and so much so that it's like my imagination gets away with me, and it's like I can imagine him, like, appearing. Kind of like he just, he's just got, he's just such a strange, scary figure to me that makes my imagination go crazy. But I watched this earlier in the day, so there was no worry about Frank becoming. No Frank worries. Yeah, and, and I think, um, I feel like I have a better grasp on this movie now, too. I mean, the most important part of this movie is the fact that Donnie Darko is a paranoid schizophrenic. And everything that we're watching him deal with is all part of his mental illness. And, you know, being older now and having, you know, seen so many more movies or seen, you know, um, learn more. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, listeners, Matt and I are recording remotely. I'm at my house. He's at his house. And we're on FaceTime. And because he is a jerky little brother, he decided to just draw a picture of Frank and show him on FaceTime just to scare me. Thanks a lot, Matt. Um, God, he's such a brat. Oh, let's also point out that what's so great about this movie is that real-life brother and sister Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal play brother and sister, and he's the younger brother. So just point it out. In the opening of the movie when... um, I think it's the opening of the movie when they're having the argument. Where, like, you you're fuck such a ass. fuck. Yeah. You, fuck uh, ass. Well, you could go suck a fuck. How do you? Suck? <laughs> How do you do that? I'm waiting for you to demonstrate. I'm all ears. <laughs> I I was watching this and I told my wife I was like I hope that like every Thanksgiving they get together and have that argument. <gasps> like that would be awesome. Like in real life, if they just did that. <laughs> Well, it also made me think of, um, did you ever see that James Corden skit about the greatest Gyllenhaal? No. Is it like the two of them battling it out to see which one is better? Um, James James Corden was doing a tour in London or something, and I think Jake Gyllenhaal was doing a theater performance in London, and he decided, and Spider-Man was coming out, Spider-Man 2 was coming out, and... uh, no, Spider-Man: he, Far From Home. Yeah. Don't confuse it with Tobey Maguire no, or no Mysterio. Or, um, yeah. No, he James Corden gives into this like dream sequence where he has um, changed up the lyrics to Whitney Houston's "The Greatest Love of All" to "The Greatest Gyllenhaal," and it is one of the greatest <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. And and in the in the song, you know, it, "The Greatest Gyllenhaal." Is actually Maggie. <laughs> At one point, anyways, sorry, I'm I'm getting very red. I'm embarrassing myself. <laughs> that um, was awesome. <laughs> anyways, everybody, YouTube, James Corden, Jalen Hall, Grace Jalen Hall. It's so great. It's very funny. But no, this the, I feel like this movie is the best. Is one of the best examples of watching someone kind of just slipping deeper into their psychosis. In a way that, like, you know, we've talked about movies that kind of dance around this topic before. Like, we've talked about Girl Interrupted and how um, Angelina Jolie's character was very crazy. I mean, like, legit crazy in that movie. But there's something about, like, this this writer-director really chose to kind of visualize what Donnie Darko's delusions could 
look like and how and and he he was so open about his illness i mean when he and um gretchen were walking home from school together he goes oh yeah i got emotional problems too oh yeah i'm on medication (laughs) like and he even explains to her that i think he he'd set a house on fire before so he got suspended like i mean he just he's had big he's had incidents Incidents, he's had incidents and you know i feel like I mean, should we just jump to the end and explain how it all works out? Well, so so he's kind of obsessed with time travel, mm-hmm. and um, he finds out, like, even a former teacher. Like, he starts talking to his physics teacher, played mm-hmm. by Noah Wiley, um, and he actually gives him a book that's written by um, a former teacher who... The, all the neighborhood kids call Grandma Death yeah. because she's like 108 years old and like ever, and like super kind of senile and 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 they just see her as kind of wanders like out into like the a, road all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. They almost hit her at one point. Donnie and his dad like they almost crash into her and so she had written a whole book about time travel and some of the what's he's reading in the book kind of starts feeding his delusions. Um, with like the the like the like tentacle like the abyss like abyss like things that's coming <laughs> off of his chest leading to where he was walking and everything, so he becomes kind of obsessed with this idea of time travel, while he's trying to figure out how to stop the end of the world because it's like the the world is going to end in you know twenty two day twenty eight days or whatever it is, and he wants to stop it well. The end of the world, which one of the concepts I find inter- fascinating in this movie is like the end of the world could have a very vague meaning because the end of the world to a person could just mean like their death because to that is their world, you know, so it, it might not just be some like COVID-19 apocalypse or something like that. It could yeah. just be. You know, your small little world could seem like it's ending. And especially for someone who has um, certain um, mental disorders or mental disabilities, that concept can be very, um, it can have like a kind of very focused to where it might only be on them. It could be like a person in a person who means a lot to them dying or like something like that. Like his mother and his sister on a plane crash? Right. Cuz that so. that I feel like is what he ultimately prevents. Well, so they, you know, they they he has this relationship with this girl and you know, we're seeing their life go, kind of go on like the dad is out of town. And his mom, played by um, Mary McDaniel, McDowell, she was from Sneakers. Yes. She was in Sneakers. Uh, she's ta- she takes the daughter to a dance competition, which we'll talk about the daughter and the dance competition later. So it's only um, Donnie and, and his sister, his older sister, at the house. And she, and it's like the weekend of Halloween, it's the 29th of October. It's a Saturday. She finds out she's getting into Harvard and he's like, 
we should have a party. And, and she's kind of like, I can't believe he's being so fucking nice to me because I just got into Harvard and he wants to have a party. But he also knows it might be the end of the world the next day. So why not have a party, right? Yeah. They have a party. And while they're at the party, he kind of has this weird premonition and this feeling like he needs to go. And him and his girlfriend and his two buddies who are also at the party, they go to find the old teacher who wrote the book. And when they get there, it turns out that the two bullies that have like kind of harassed him the whole movie, one of which is Seth Rogen in his first feature film. Where his first line, which makes everything about my feelings towards Seth Rogen make sense, the first thing he ever says in a movie is, I like your boobs. And it's like, <laughs> yep, this is why Seth Rogen is not my favorite actor. Okay. And that was probably the best first lines that any actor could ever have. I don't know. Anyway, well, so they go to, they go to uh, Miss Sparrow's house to kind of find her. They get attacked by the bullies. And when they do that, his girlfriend gets pushed into the road. And one of the bullies is on top of him with a knife to to his throat. The other bully sees a car coming. Is like, I got to get out of here. So Seth Rogen, he he leaves her. He leaves them. She's in the road, and the car comes speeding around and runs over her and kills her. And who gets out of the car? But the real life Frank in the rabbit costume, who then Jake who happens to have a gun on him. I totally, like, skipped over the whole gun thing. Sorry about that. Has a gun on him and then shoots Frank. So then we see, like, have kind of this interesting scene after that where, of course, he's very up. Donnie's very upset. His girlfriend has just been run over and killed by, by a drunk driver. And he's grabs her and starts walking home, carrying her, and then puts her in a car and drives to, like, this top of this hill. And while they're driving, they see one of those huge tunnel things that was coming off their chest, but it's above their house. Yeah. And kind of up in the sky. And the next thing that happens is... We don't know exactly what he's done with the body of of the girl, but the next thing you see is him in bed kind of laughing because what we don't know is he has then gone back in time into his bed and at the same time the jet engine from the plane that his wife, that his mom and sister are on has fallen off the plane and fallen through the same time kind of tunnel and then crushes him and kills him. And then the, it shows again that now we're back to October 2nd and he is dead. His girlfriend is alive and everyone else is alive. And she never meets him. And because, she never meets him. Because her opportunity to meet him was one of the great, greatest parts of the whole movie. I don't know if it's my favorite part, but when she walks into the class and she's like, well, I don't know where to sit. And Drew Barrymore says, you take the seat next to the boy you think is the cutest. And, I mean, I'm thinking, this is... 
only Drew Barrymore can get away with saying this, and this is how I imagine Drew Barrymore as like a English teacher. This is so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, she. It's like he was able to erase everything that happened, and then in in theory, you could almost assume that his mother and his sister would never end up on a plane because even though she probably still killed it to Duran Duran's Notorious in the dance cons- <laughs> in the dance performance and still could have gone to the star search, they would be grieving, you know, dead Donnie Darko. So certainly yeah. mom isn't going to get on the plane and crazy, uh, um, the crazy gym teacher won't. And obviously she won't have to worry about Patrick Swayze being in jail because Donnie Darko isn't there to burn the house down and have the kitty porn dungeon be discovered. All right, so let's 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 go back. <laughs> wait, now. wait, Matt. What? Love. <laughs> Fear. <laughs> Listeners, so, you can't see what we're doing. There's visuals happening. So let's talk about Patrick Swayze. <laughs> oh my God. So I, I don't think I think when this movie came out, I hadn't seen Patrick Swayze in something new in a very long time. And because he did some like 90s action movies that did not do very well. And um, so it kind of went like Roadhouse to this, I think, maybe or maybe Ghost to this. I don't know. But his character. So creepy. His character in this is is so good. And I guess he was um, I guess in real life he was a Scientologist. I saw that. Yeah, I read that earlier. And. And um, in my research, I saw how he um, he actually wore his his regular clothes Mm -hmm. and and the scene like his regular clothes from the 80s that he still had. He wore for this movie. He's like, oh, I've got all that stuff. And then the commercial like the like the self-help video that he made, he made like they filmed that at his ranch in Southern California (laughs) in his actual home. Yeah. And um and he was just so I just felt like he was so good in this movie. Oh, me too. He's excellent. And but he's it's he plays like a self-help guru kind of guy who you know makes self-help videos and wants to get kids off of drugs and everything. And he doesn't they don't really say it's like a religious thing, but that really is what it's trying to be. Oh, sure. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is they have him come to do a an assembly in the school and <laughs> they have people come like they have kids come to the mic and be like to tell them to like like confess something like some deep rooted problem and like that they have you know from a fear that they have so he can like teach them that love will get you through the fear and and I will agree with this I do think fear will kind of cripple people from doing things. Fear leads to anger. Uh, well, anger I'm not, go- I'm to not going to that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you, but I am. What, I, what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to point out is that I think a lot of people don't do things or don't live their life a certain way or don't respect certain people. Because they are afraid. Yeah. So from his concept of love versus hate, like versus fear, 
I think that was kind of interesting. Like, but, I could kind of get on that. But, but he Donnie put, Darko's, like, this, like, argument with his gym teacher where he told her to shove the book up her ass because things can't be so linear. Um, There's He one, told me to put, he p- told me to put a book up my anus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his point that, you know, the emotional spectrum includes several more emotions than just oh, I a know. linear fear to love. It's like, come on, lady. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I understand that. My, my point just being that. A lot of what people do, I think, sometimes is because they might be afraid of it. Not, sure. not, not, not everything, but fear does play a part in you know why people are afraid or don't big, do things. But he was a big giant fraud. But he was a huge fucking fraud, and it turned out he was a child molester and ran a kiddie porn ring, yeah. and just that whole twist on it was so fucking beautiful. Everything with that, but Don. But back to the assembly. In the assembly, Donnie, like the first question to him is, he gets to the microphone. He's just like, "So how much are they paying you to be?" Here? Oh man! And he just, and he just, he's like, "Cause I think you're the Antichrist." <laughs> he just yeah. rails into him, and I was sitting. And then, like the principal, and they all cart him out, and other kids in the school are cheering. They're like, "Yeah!" And like. The guy probably thought that they were cheering that they were taking him away, but really, I believe they were cheering because this guy was a fucking fraud. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like, especially in that moment, you know, all of the students that were aware of who Donnie Darko was and what his issues were, like, they kind of all... The students were probably like, oh, man, this is going to be really good. Like, he's not oh, going yeah. to ask a how do you, how can you help me with this problem kind of question. He's going to he's going to drop some serious truth on this asshole because Johnny Darko is the <laughs> one who will do it because he don't give a fuck. And right. and that I mean, there, there is something. Again, I mean, I I feel like. You know, his therapist kept saying, like, he's got this detachment from reality. But in some ways, you could almost say, like, he had, like, a different window into it. You know, I mean, like, he was able to see and had no fear in calling out Patrick Swayze, even though Patrick Swayze was this, like, authority figure that theoretically, like, a uh, sophomore, junior, you think he was? Who? uh, Donnie Darko. He's probably like a sophomore. Yeah. Someone like at that age would maybe be a little more resistant to wanting to like call someone out like that in such a public way. Oh, Uh, yeah. But but again, it's like because of this whole the way the movie ends with the rewinding of everything and undoing everything. Patrick Swayze will never get found out. Right. Exactly. And school is never. Who's going to expose him? Who's going to? I mean, come on. Yeah. Donnie was like the hero, but and, and I think that's the, that was another thing. Like that was very kind of like when you like the first time you watch this movie, it almost like brings up more questions, and then you have to watch it again, and then you have to like let it marinate for a while, and then you got to watch it again to really be like, wow. He loved this girl so much because he connected with her so much. He didn't want her to die. That, that, and he didn't think it was right that she died. And maybe, as I was saying, trying to point out before, you know, what does the end of the world really mean to people? And maybe she was his world and worth dying for that he wanted to save her in spite of, 
you know, the fact that he, you know, s- saved a bunch of kids from being part of a porn ring or whatever. <laughs> so, I don't yeah, know. I think I think that I think that that's one of the things that that that's one of the many things that makes this movie kind of memorable. And and the fact that it intentionally takes place in 1988 to where it's not like it was made in 88 and it doesn't live and it doesn't stand the test of time. It was made, you know, 13 years later. And then it, it makes it stand the test of time in that sense. Yeah. You know, because they, do, they did it so well. Yeah. Now you had mentioned Drew Barrymore and she helped, she produced yeah. the movie yeah. and apparently this movie wouldn't have gotten made or had distribution if it wasn't for her. So thank you, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I read that. Another thing I wanted to mention, since we they were talking about, oh, we were talking about watching horror movies in Scream, how they watched Halloween. In this movie, they go to the movie theater and watch another good mm. mo- horror movie, Evil Dead, which I guess they wanted to watch a different movie um, called Chud. And which was like an 80s horror movie, Um, but they couldn't get the rights to it. Hmm. So Sam Raimi, you know, who made Evil Dead, he's he's a you know, he didn't really care. And he's basically getting promotion for his movie. Evil Dead was like, you could put my movie in there. And so that was cool. Well, would he know that Donnie Darko becomes this enormous cult classic? And probably helped revamp his, you know, his following for Evil Dead. So there you go. So did you see when this movie was released? Because I don't, I didn't remember exactly when it came out, but it came out in October two thousand one. So hello, like it, it was, it came out I believe in Sundance earlier the in fact, the year. The fact that the fact it, that there was involved, a plane, yeah, a plane crash, and it was like a month after nine yeah. eleven was creepy, and I think that that added to some of the. Actually, this was January of two thousand one. Is it, what when it, it got, says it, it was got, got its wide release. Wide release was so, in October. Wide release uh, was was October of two thousand one. Okay. okay. Um, so it was at, right after, and there was very because of everything happening. There was I, very, I don't think it little public little yeah. commercial, and it, and it only yeah. really took off kind of in the years later the DVD. You know, yeah. watching it at home, and that's where it really kind of like skyrocketed to cult classic status. Right. But, but yeah, that that is interesting. Like, because when the movie came out, I think so many people were just kind of, even when it came out, like, it's not like 9 11 happened and then people forgot about it. I mean, that was something that people were like thought about for oh, years. So, yeah. shaped, you know, there was investigations and, and conspiracies yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So the fact that, um, they ha- had gotten out and, and I'm sure that that led to part of the problem, one of the problems with it even getting released at all. You yeah. know, the fact that it got any distribution. Yeah. Um, we also need to point out how amazing the soundtrack for this movie is. It is a great 80s soundtrack. Yep. I will say that the other reason why, for a while, I was turned off by this movie was because I got really, really, really fucking sick of the version of Mad World Mm. because it got into super heavy rotation when after this movie came out. The original version 
by Tears for Fears and the cover version by Gary Jewell. Um, and I was just like, that song again, I can't watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like every time it came on, I was like, oh, yeah, Donnie Darko. Okay. But I'm glad that that has kind of you do, do you, you can radio doesn't exist like it did back then so i don't have to i don't have to hear it that much but um but yeah the rest of the soundtrack from uh killing moon and um you know it's funny is i didn't i guess um when they do the dance to notorious yeah, they okay. do. They didn't do the dance to Notorious. West End Girls. They did it to West End Girls, and then they didn't get the rights to it, so they just overdubbed it with Notorious. It didn't look like they missed a beat. So I no. Mean. Can we talk? <laughs> you know, I think that we've done a disservice because um, we can't talk. I mean, we've done all this talking about Donnie Darko, but we have not really shown our commitment to Sparkle Motion. So, <laughs> so Sparkle Motion, which is the dance troupe that the crazy um, mom's daughter is in, that and she like choreographs and manages them and gets them on Star Search. It's been their dream for so long. To They've get worked the so star, hard. Star you know, I, you know, you're the last mom that I would ask, but <laughs> all of them were too busy. <laughs> I would have been, I would have just slammed the door in her face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do have one question for you. Mm-hmm. As the younger sibling here. Yes. I am not so clear that he wouldn't have ever met Maggie Gyllenhaal's friend Frank cuz the way that she seemed so worried about him, he seemed like a special friend and you're my younger brother and it seemed like you were fairly aware of of male friends I had in my life or boyfriends and sure. stuff. So it seems like how did Donnie we lived, our rooms were right next to each other. Yeah. Like how does Donnie Darko, how did he never know that she has this friend named Frank who is about the same height as this rabbit that he keeps seeing? Like, unless he was so disconnected, it just, that was the only thing. Like, I, and if I, he was I, in I'll, the house earlier as the rabbit, like how did he not bump into him? Early, yeah, like well, early in the party, and well, let, okay, that's well, that's maybe like one of the trying, one. Cons- the one you're cons- trying to find like plot holes in the no, wormhole no, no. movie. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the only thing that really kind of struck me. Like, for as worried as as um, Elizabeth, I think was her name, right? Yes, as yeah, was worried as Elizabeth was. Where's Frank? Why isn't he here? You know, he's been gone for a while. Like. Oh, she didn't sound that freaked eh, out though. It was more like, enough. has anybody? It was more like, has anyone seen Frank? <laughs> was it? Yeah, I oh, think it was okay. more like, has anyone seen Frank? Well, I, I just think that. Um, okay, maybe it's not that big a deal. I, I just think that. Yes, I knew. We went to the same high school. We were there at the same time for yeah. a period of time, and. I think, like, there was one time you had a birthday party where you invited a bunch of people over, and I don't think I was at your high school yet. So I had gotten to meet some Mm -hmm. of the people that were at your school. Okay. And um, so I agree that it might be kind of strange, unless Frank was, like, 
just someone that she knew from classes that like was maybe hooking her up with beer or something. Maybe. I mean, again, you not know, a huge, not a huge problem. But I just figured, yeah. you know, older sister, younger brother, like, yeah. How I don't know. But then again, maybe you and I are closer than he and his sister were. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I, would, I don't I, think it. We were I don't not think yelling did, at each other. Across suck the a there. fuck, Nancy. Go suck a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that never really happened. <laughs> That all happened later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm really... It was actually pretty fun to rewatch this movie again. And like I said, this I'd seen it a number of times before. And then I think I was just kind of... I was just, like, not into the hype for a while. Like, it just seems like it was, like, overhyped and whatnot. And then... Um, but in, in rewatching this, I was like, you know what? I don't know. This movie's great. I don't, I, don't, I, I think I don't it's care. a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we've we definitely are are fans of time travel movies or movies that ask kind of strange questions. I mean, we haven't we haven't gotten there yet, but I mean, we'll eventually talk about some Spike Jones movies that deal with interesting realities and how things can be altered and perceptions are changed or whatever. And and I feel like this kind of is just in that same kind of category and and again for me like the thing that was so much more important to me watching it this time around was really kind of understanding his mental illness and thinking about I mean just the fact like how much time he spent with this therapist and who was played by Catherine Ross who is Elaine in The Graduate which we'll talk about some one of these days um yeah I did not make that connection married to Sam Elliott for like almost 30 years, which is wild. Wow. I know. Um, <laughs> but I think, I just think, you know, someone who, you know, is dealing with delusions and feeling like they have this incredible knowledge about, hey, doomsday is coming and I've got an actual countdown because I wrote it down on my arm when Frank told me. and yeah. And in some ways feeling like, He's got to do whatever he can to either stop it or... I mean, he, he certainly he certainly didn't seem like he wanted it to happen. I mean, you know, we were getting all these title cards throughout the movie, including one that was today's date from 1988. Uh, October 10th, go. 1988, blasted on the screen. I was like, oh, all right. We're watching this at the right time of year. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I just... I'm so glad we got to rewatch this. I was really looking forward to getting to watch this again and again it'd been it's probably been about eight or nine years since i'd seen it and i'd only seen it i think once before that so it's like i'm watching it every 10 years or something <laughs> but it's a mad world nancy mad it's a mad world. world it's a mad world well um the only i there was only one other thing i wanted to mention What's that? They tried to make a sequel to this movie. How? That doesn't make any it's, sense to me. It's called S. Darko, and the character it's, it takes place in 1995, and the main Darko that it follows is his younger sister, the the girl from Sparkle Motion. <laughs> oh my and, god! Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Did yeah. you ever watch it? No. I was just reading about it because I had forgotten that. Like, I remember I mean, it coming she, out. Was she a paranoid schizophrenic, too? 
I remember it coming out and being like, how are they making a sequel to this? And I was also in that period of like, ugh, Donnie Darko. You're burnt out. I was burnt out. So, um, huh. I never really watched it, but I thought, well, huh. I better read about this movie. I did not attempt to do extra credit this yeah, time and watch I'm glad it. You didn't. And um, there's no actors that I really know in it. Um, apparently, she it's the same. Like, they just really tried to revive the whole thing where she's seeing visions of something happening and she tries to stop it from happening and whatnot. It's just... That's ridiculous. Yeah. Sometimes they should just leave well enough alone. Yeah. That's... Not, that's not touch it. But very weird. Yeah. I mean, the original film characters have nothing to do with it. So. Hmm. So That's don't weird. get confused when you're when you are perusing uh, your f- various streaming services and you come along and S Darko. Don't mistakenly watch it because a you'll be totally fucking confused and b it it it, it probably does not live up to the, to the to the original. Hey, so check out the original. You'll be waiting Donnie for, Darko. You'll be waiting for Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm like, hello. Why isn't he sleeping in the middle of the road somewhere? Why isn't he sleeping on a golf course right now? I'll tell you right now, it was much nicer having this Donald on my screen than some other Donalds right now. Okay. Anyway, um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Hopefully you have the lights out and it's you're enjoying something spooky. Do you like scary podcasts? Mm. (laughs) This one's not scary. Mm-mm. We're not scary. No, we're not. Anyway, I want to thank everyone for listening, and I want to thank Nancy for all of her hard work and for being a great co-host. We will see you t- sometime soon. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. Thank you very much. <laughs>